Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. No, and they got to keep right, the key keep number. To come. Yeah, my key number is, is 189. And that's the number of net passing yards that the Bears had, despite being behind by double digits every single time they touched the ball in the second half, despite allowing 38 points and being in a chase game, they still wound up with 189 net passing yards. I mean, this is the type of stuff that is the red flag. You know, we talked about it a week ago. When you're playing from behind, when you're in all these chase games, there are quarterbacks that go get that that garbage time production. They pad up stats and they get they get things going and they get momentum. And sometimes they get a little bit of confidence just from it. The Bears still couldn't get there. Justin passed for over 200 but it was still 189 net passing yards, David. So that's 0 for 1 in 2023 in surpassing 200 net passing yards. Last year, they were 1 for 17 as a team in having 200 net passing yards or higher in the games they played. Wow. I mean, this is 2023 in the NFL. Wow. My number is three. That's the number of third down conversions the Bears had out of 13 opportunities, three for 13 in third down efficiency. It's bad. It's even worse when you compare it to what I referred to earlier. The Packers, 9 of 16 on third down. Jordan Love owned third down. And on third and fourth down, he had a perfect passer rating. That's not good enough for the Bears. Three for 13. That's when you make your money. That's when you keep the chains moving. And that's how you fix your offense. You make plays on third down. Now, as Brad Biggs did in his 10 thoughts in ChicagoTribune.com, as we talked about all day on the score and people around town, you are in bad situations on third down because of your failures on first down. It's all related. We know that. It's football one-on-one. But you can erase a lot of mistakes and, and cure a lot of ills by making plays on third down that the Bears passing game just not capable of, of making right now. So I think that when you look at that number, three for 13, that is unacceptable, and that's got to be addressed and corrected. Don't be surprised if that one comes back up later in the week when we do our numbers game before the uh, the Buccaneers game, and we'll look into the, the third down success as well there. Speaking of the Buccaneers game, let's do a quick look ahead at Sunday in Tampa. Okay, Dan, so we talked about Kyler Gordon possibly being out. We talk about a lot of the challenges for the offensive line, Braxton Jones, to get better and be consistent quickly. Todd Bowles is going to come after Justin Fields with everything but the kitchen sink, as they say. Expect a lot of blitz. Expect a lot of emphasis on blitz pickup. And also, Baker Mayfield has moved on to the pirate ship. I think he's living (laughs) now. Can't be sure. But this is a team that went into Minnesota and won on the road. Tom Brady is gone. Baker Mayfield is there. The Buccaneers expected to take a step backward. I wonder, have they? And how far, and is this going to be a game the Bears can feel like they can win? Because you, 
you don't want to call it a must win, but you also don't want to face the prospect of coming home 0-2 because you got the Chiefs at, yeah. and that's staring at 0-3. So this well, suddenly becomes a huge game. I share your concern and I share the urgency that must be attached to this for those very reasons. I think the worst thing the Bears can do is start fearing that Kansas City trip and using that as a, a means to feel more uh, pressure than they should feel this week. They need to just get cleaned up and need to play a sharp football game against a, a, another middle-of-the-road NFC opponent. All year long, you're going to face a lot of middle-of-the-road NFC opponents, and you've got to be able to, to rise up and be the team on, on, uh, on several weeks that wins those matchups. The Bears can definitely win this game, but they're going to have to play way better than they did Sunday, and they're going to have to force the Buccaneers to play worse than they did in Minnesota. That's not an easy place to go up and win in the season opener, and they did it. If you want to see a high-level pitch and catch, watch this from the press box at Soldier Field. Baker Mayfield's uh, final completion of the day to Chris Godwin to basically seal the game on a third down. It's a beautiful pitch and catch. It's everything done right by the offensive line, the quarterback, and the receiver, and the Vikings don't get the ball back to try to go get one of those dramatic victories. And so, um, look, like Baker Mayfield has lived a lot of places here, David, in the last couple of years. His uh, zip code and his addresses have changed a lot, um, but he still has the ability to, to do some things to to hurt you, you're going to have to get him to make some mistakes coming your way. Um, and the Bears certainly haven't shown uh, consistently that they can create the heat up front that makes a guy like that uncomfortable and error prone. So it is. This will be fascinating because again, it's a, it, it is it is in my opinion it is a must win because you go zero and two and you go to Kansas City and you go get your doors blown off there, which is very very realistic. Uh, then then you, you t- turn the page in October at 0-3 with two blowout losses. You thought today was bad. Wait till the callers start calling into your station on, on October 2nd or whatever it is. We'll take a closer look at the Buccaneers later in the week, but let's wrap things up for this pod with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, Dan, a couple quick things I want to get your opinion on and what, what, any information that came out today at Hallis Hall. Bayless Jones, inactive. That's surprising to you in any way. You got Tyler Scott that may have beaten him out for the kick returner. Trent Taylor's returning punts. If Bayless Jones is inactive, what's he still doing on the roster? Taylor Scott, or I'm sorry, Tyler Scott beat him out for the wide receiver job, which then forces you to use him as a kick returner as well because you think you can do more with him offensively. And that's just, it's uh, it's a rough spot to be in right now if you're Bayless Jones. You don't have a role. Uh, they're standing behind you long enough to, to, to keep you around in case somebody else goes down and, and you have to be the next man up. And you've got to be patient with that, but certainly not a good development as far as uh, that young man is concerned. Minor thing, but uh, did Demarcus Gates get a penalty on him? Did Matt Eberflus address that at all late in uh, Sunday's game? I am not aware. I'm not sure. Uh, was was, was what, he the one that got a, a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty near the fourth quarter? Trying to look here if he was one of the guys, and I just wondered if because I, they activated, made it, they, they made a corresponding move. They Dylan Cole was resigned to the uh, roster today, correct? Correct. Yes, and that that, that was really a health related thing, and so, okay. some ro- roster mechanics there as they were trying to get to get to get to their game day roster um, for this week one Sunday game. But they still believe Dylan Cole can be a good backup linebacker and a special teams ace for him. Yeah, this is just part of the roster churning that you often refer to and uh, may, maybe nothing there. The other thing that I wanted to say is um, or, or wonder about when you when you look at DJ Moore getting two targets, did that come up with Matt Eberflus? Because we had DJ Moore on the Mullion Haw show on Monday morning. He did not want to explore uh, that possibility that much. He certainly said there are reasons for it. He's not going to make a lot of demands. But let's face it, this is the most valuable offensive player they have potentially 
two targets when you call 47 passes, it seems unacceptable. That did come up today, and Matt Eberflus agree with you, agrees with you. It, it was unacceptable. He used the uh, the phrase, we've got to feed our skill, which means we got to get the ball in the hands of the guys that we believe in. Uh, DJ Moore is certainly at the top of that list. We've talked about him all spring and summer in terms of being a, a guy that should be in, in every possession weapon for you. To see the ball twice on back-to-back passes in the second quarter and then not touch it or see it again outside of a two-point conversion passing attempt is absolutely unacceptable. It cannot happen in Tampa. It cannot happen in any of the remaining 16 games. DJ Moore has to be a leading weapon for you every single week, regardless of what the opposing defense does to try to minimize him. DJ Moore also said that the Bears didn't have any juice. Uh, Colt Komet said the Bears lacked focus. Uh, Jalen Johnson said some things that you were there to to hear. Uh, it, Bears players are pretty candid about what they didn't do I just wonder, how does that happen in the season opener? And how did Matt Aberflus address that? I know it's I know it's one of those things we're never going to get an answer to, but it just kind of keeps coming up. Well, so there's different ways to phrase this. And Matt was asked about the team's effort, and he said the effort was there. That's fine. I, I, I'm fine in agreeing with him that the effort was there, but I don't think the energy was there. And most troubling to me, uh, David, was, was uh, you know, I didn't pick up on it until I watched the TV copy on, on uh, Sunday night and Monday morning, was the, the, the body language on the sideline after they got behind in the third quarter and then had a, a poor drive and you're sitting there and you're, you're getting Tom Rinaldi scanning the entire Bears bench and everyone looks defeated and dispirited and demoralized and it's 17 to 6 with eight minutes to go in the third quarter and they already looked like they were done for the day and that's inexcusable that's the juice that DJ Moore is talking about that's the juice that this team needs to play with on Sunday in Tampa that's the juice that, that better be there because again you don't have the talent and depth to get by if you're not bringing all the intangible stuff with it and that that certainly was was problematic in the second half I mean Jalen Johnson said look like we were trying to get the juice we didn't make any plays you know and then when you don't make a play you don't have reason to feel that enthusiasm and that energy and it just became a snowball that rolled the wrong direction and I stand corrected I think that they announced in the press box it might have been DeMarcus Gates that got a face max penalty, but according to the play-by-play, at the end of the third quarter, it was Travis Homer with a face mask penalty. Bottom line is the Bears had some penalties that were regrettable. They didn't have as many as the Packers, but it still was something they need to clean up. Well, I got to tell you right now, I'm standing here in the midway at Hallis Hall and Dick Buckus is walking through. No joke. He's walking right out here. He obviously had something to do here in the building, but that's, that's a real neat moment there when you turn to your right and Dick Buckus walks right by. I-L-L. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so remind me what you just asked. <laughs> I, I was just making a correction. It was Travis Homer for the illegal yeah. face mask, not DeMarcus Gates. They announced it as DeMarcus Gates, but I guess it was Homer. They need to clean up the penalties because there were too many for, for week one or any week. Way too, way too many. And the Packers also had more of them for more yards. And so you didn't capitalize on the mistakes that they had and the penalties they committed, and you made too many of your own. Uh, my last thing that I wanted to get to today, I talked about the offense not meeting that response moment in the third quarter. Well, then they get it to 24 to 14, and the defense has an ability now to get the game back within reach. They've got the Packers in third and three, and then there's a false start penalty, and it becomes third and eight. This is your chance. If you're a defense with any teeth, you get off the field, you get the ball back to the offense, and you roll forward. Instead, they give up an 18-yard completion to, to, to Jaden Reed. And Jalen Johnson said today uh, that they just they, they were misaligned and, and just kind of off with their zone drops on that play. Jordan Love and Jaden Reed found a spot, completed it for 18 yards. The next play was the Meadowlark Lemon to uh, Luke Musgrave pass with, <laughs> with Jordan Love dribbling the ball off the snap and then throwing deep on a busted play. And that, that's how games get away from you. You know, you don't rise up and 
meet that moment. The offense and the defense both had a chance to in that second half, and they both failed. And the next thing you know, here we are on Monday with the blowtorches out uh, and, and everybody questioning what there is to believe in anymore. And my last thing would be the indelible moment for covering the game would be the Simone Biles moment in the <laughs> press elevator that was quite a shock that I think she was in the back of the elevator. I didn't know if she was doing a handstand or not. I don't think so. She may have stuck the landing, but we were there waiting to go down in the elevator and they, the elevator door was open and they said, stop, 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 VIP on board. So we couldn't go down and found out later it was Simone Biles at the game because <laughs> Jonathan Owens is her husband, plays safety for the Packers. So I suppose if you are one of the greatest American athletes in history, <laughs> you are entitled to your own elevator. Yeah, that's a surprise, right? Like elevator doors open and there's a 38-time Olympic gold medalist standing in front of you? Yeah, especially when you have, you know, you're not allowed to get on either, even though you might be in, in a bit of a rush because a lot of people who are waiting for the elevator are on a deadline and that's supposed to be the media elevator, not yeah. for gold medal Olympians, but hey. It was a memorable moment on a day that a lot of people in Chicago would rather forget. Anything else that we are overlooking, Dan, before we get out of here? Yes, one thing. Uh, chopped salad, Italian beef sliders, cheese tortellini, baked chicken with sun-dried tomatoes, green beans, uh, salmon, tiramisu, giant cupcakes. That was the, the press box spread at Soldier Field. This is the start of season 11 for me on the beat. I have never seen anything remotely as appealing as edible as that spread was on Sunday afternoon, things changed up in the press box this weekend, David. I don't know who to attribute it to. I think I have some ideas, but you have to tell me as somebody that's been here for two decades, if that surprised you at how different that looked from what we're used to seeing in those troughs that are there in the back of the press. Box. In 20 years of covering the bears. And this is the 20th year that I have covered the bears at soldier field. Never have I seen that. I think that I can remember a post-game pizza being delivered, but there was post-game pizza. And, and there Connie's was too, salmon, <laughs> Connie's pizza, salmon, chicken, goodness sakes. I was, for the first time that I can remember, I did not go home hungry. We were well-fed <laughs> in the press box. We, we realized and lived every cliche about sports writers and sports journalists. Yes, the Bears fed us well. Thank you, Kevin Warren. 